back to bias. In his book, Stamp from the Beginning, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi shares an observation that sparks something in my mind. He says, and I'm quoting, If black people make up 13.2% of the U.S. population, then black people should make up somewhere close to 13% of the Americans killed by police, somewhere close to 13% of the Americans sitting in prison, somewhere close to owning 13% of the U.S. wealth. But today, the United States remains nowhere close to racial parity. African Americans own 2.7% of the nation's wealth and make up 40% of the incarcerated population. Back with me again. We're all people. Regardless of color, there are people that fall all across the range from greatness through to the other, less desirable end of that spectrum. So why is there such a large variance in the measurables that Kendi points out, rather than it following the same trend as population? This is clearly a complex question, and a lot of smart people are attempting to get to the bottom of it. I've been reading and listening to a lot of scholars on this topic. If you go way back, it's clear that racism became prevalent to support individual gain and the gains of nation-states, with people creating a convenient narrative that supported a situation that was beneficial to the few, sacrificing many. The challenge for us today is that the long history of racism has created a foundation with cracks, a foundation that perpetuates inequality. One piece of this is systemic. This means that while a system can be operated by people who are absolutely not racist, there are subtle and not-so-subtle components of that system that are detrimental to one race, like black people. Keep in mind that when someone states that systemic racism exists, they aren't saying that all of those in the system are racist. In fact, the problem is that we often don't recognize the bias in the system if we aren't affected by it ourselves. And if we have other unconscious bias that we're unaware of, we can convince ourselves that it doesn't exist at all. This leads us to the behavioral piece of the foundation. Let's face it, we live in a world full of news outlets that rely on sensational headlines to get our attention. Undoubtedly, there's a headline about someone who's robbed a bank, but there is no headline about a brilliant engineer who made an incredible technical leap at NASA. Oh, who happens to be black? This gets more complex as you layer on social media and the potential for an echo chamber with only those inputs that are similar to our own making it into our feed. This creates a lack of challenge to any idea. It's constantly supported and never debated based on people with similar interests and backgrounds just talking to ourselves. The implication of all of this is personal bias. This bias is informed by what we see, hear, or experience in our lives. Unfortunately, it can be fueled by the outputs of the systemic issues I mentioned before. When I shared Dr. Kendi's quote, did you think to yourself, maybe there are just more black criminals than white criminals? That's bias speaking. You know better than to anticipate an outcome without any information other than a person's color. Bias is real. We all have it, but it's individual in nature. It comes from our experiences and inputs over the course of our lives. It's not something we can treat, but it is something that we can raise our awareness of. Today's podcast is going to take us right back to the beginning. Well, the beginning of this podcast series. The very first podcast I recorded was focused on unconscious bias. The format is different from what I use today, but the message is important. I've shared stories with you before. This one is from my own experience. I take you on a journey with me and share a story from a simple day in my life in the wheelchair. One that will hopefully open your eyes to how impactful bias can be, regardless of intent or how subtle it is. 
Please listen and reflect, and then we'll come back and discuss how an increased awareness will be critical for each of us as we step forward. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about inclusion and bias. And, you know, we've been talking about inclusion and diversity for a while now, and some of us have done conscious inclusion training, which uh, helps us focus in on our unconscious bias and really trying to understand ourselves and how our past experiences have affected us. I had a experience yesterday I wanted to share that hopefully will help all of you. It helped me recognize some of our own biases and not, not just that we have them, but the impact it can have on those around us. So for those of you that don't know, in April of 2005, I had a life-changing accident that really changed my perspective. So I was a pretty normal guy, six foot, walked into a meeting room, was able to command the attention of the room, didn't struggle with much from a physical standpoint. Things were going pretty well career-wise. You know, life was going pretty well. And I broke my back downhill mountain biking, which was a major change because, you know, I ended up paraplegic. I haven't walked into a room since. Um, My perspective has drastically changed. And over the past decade-ish, let's say 13 years, I've had a chance to experience what it's like um, from a different perspective. So this story today comes from where I sit, which is a lot different than it was in February of 2005. And it's a pretty benign story. Don't expect a lot of drama, Um, but there certainly were a lot of feelings and good intentions. And I'm going to try and share all of that with you so that we can all learn from it. So this week, I had a wonderful week in Toronto, uh, participated in leadership voice training with many of the Canadian leadership team, got to watch people examine their own leadership style and how they translate messages into something useful for their own team. Uh, Most of the group participated in conscious inclusion training and, you know, was really riding that high as I spent, spent the end of the week interviewing candidates for our Canadian executive intern position. So feeling really good about, you know, leadership in the country and what the future looks like with some of the talent we've got hanging around. I started to head home um, on Friday and had a interesting experience. So I'm getting ready to fly out of Toronto Friday morning and approaching the security area. And one of the TSA employees comes up to me and Uh, exact words were, who are you traveling with? Who's helping you? And, you know, stunned a little bit. um, I probably pretty bluntly returned, you know, nobody. I'm on my own. You know, I was was a little bit taken aback and, and I was thinking about it as I waited in what most of us have experienced, the endless lines of security, um, and thought a little bit about you know, how he intended that conversation. And, you know, reflecting on the fact that if you put yourself in his shoes, he looked over and he saw a wheelchair. He didn't see a professional in that wheelchair. He didn't see an athlete in that wheelchair. He didn't see me. He saw a wheelchair. And 
his initial thoughts were, you know, this person must require help, um, must have someone with them to be supporting them to go through this process of getting through an airport or getting on an airplane. So, you know, probably had some good intentions because he was going to help whoever I was with also make their way through, you know, the endless line and security. But the way it came across made me feel pretty small and not only a little bit angry and and hurt, but uh, a little bit introspective uh, as I sat there considering how that felt. And it was a really quick interaction. But I'll tell you, I, I felt pretty small in that moment. And, and that doesn't happen to me very often. But today would, would be a day that, uh, that it recurred a few times. So, so let's, let's keep carrying on. So I make my way through security, and I'm on my way to the gate. Now, the gate I'm flying out of is pretty far from the security entry point, so I can move pretty quick on those hard floors, and I'm, I'm moving pretty fast. But uh, as I'm making my way, I see two folks walking towards me in, the, in these red coats, and they sort of, I, I don't know a better way to describe it other than they somewhat jump in front of me which you know is dangerous on a, on a few fronts but jump in front of me and stop me to say who's helping you how are you going to get to the gate we need to push you there i'm stunned by the conversation because i was you know moving pretty quick and i i don't think that i was uh looking like i needed a whole lot of help uh, at that point in time but you know stopped and probably quickly extracted myself from the conversation to get on the way again because I really needed to to make my way to the gate. You know, reflecting on this quick interaction, you know, I was already not feeling very great about, you know, how the day was unfolding with my interaction at security. I was possibly late for my flight, so I was trying to get a move on. And then this happens and you know, putting myself in their shoes, you know, their job is to help people in wheelchairs. And many of the people they see really need a hand, really need, you know, pushing through the airport because they can't do it themselves or they're in an airport wheelchair, which is, you know, I don't know if any of you have seen them. They're probably too wide to push yourself, even if you tried. But, you know, again, best of intentions um, left me thinking about myself and, you know, again, feeling a little small, probably a little bit vulnerable. You know, definitely not feeling like the guy who had just spent the week with a wonderful leadership team and feels really strongly about the future of this business that I get to be a part of. You know, their best intentions probably poorly delivered um, and, and didn't take into account what it's like from where I sit and how that feels. You know, so for, for a little perspective, those of you that know me know you know, there are no handles on this wheelchair. It's intentional. I'm resistant to taking help even when I may possibly need it. I feel like it's important for me to try and push myself to be as independent as, as humanly possible, which, you know, I may not reach the things in the, the top cupboard anymore, but there's not much that I don't do. So these two interactions have got me feeling pretty shaken. Now, I finally make my way to my gate. I get to the gate and I have one last interaction before I leave Toronto. And it, it actually may, um, it creates 
the genesis of why I'm recording this for you. So I come up to the gate. Um, the gate agent walks out from behind the desk, and fortunately, the plane hasn't started boarding yet. But she walks out and she comes up and goes, "Hi, you know, you must be Mr. Almond. Is there anything you need from us? Do you need anything? How can we help? We're here to do whatever, however much or however little you need." And and after the last two interactions I've had, this one is a bit refreshing. So I take a bit of a step back in my mind and, and, you know, let her know that I actually don't need any help getting on the plane. And, but I really appreciate the offer. You know, are we boarding right now? And she goes, yeah, yeah, we were basically just waiting for you to show up. So onto the plane I go and I head home. And, and as I'm sitting on the plane, I'm thinking about how different that third interaction was than the other two. You know, on the surface, the same basis all held there. She had great intentions. She came. She asked me, you know, did I need any help at all? What did I need? And I'm not 100% sure structurally it was different other than in tone and approach and implication that she, she entered from the side that she wasn't sure if I needed any help at all, rather than entering from a place where the assumption was, I absolutely did need help. You know, in fact, I was going to have to take it. You know, on, on that front, I, I just want to remind us that, you know, all of us have bias and, and that's okay. That's okay. What makes a difference is being self-aware and understanding where that's coming from and maybe altering your approach a little bit. Be aware that that person that you're dealing with, whether it's at work or it's in an airport, you know, they're coming from a different position as well. And, and you know, not all of us have as visible of an item to deal with as a wheelchair. It could be as simple as, you know, the structure of your family or something way beneath the surface. Be sensitive to the fact that we've all got biases and be sensitive that how you present when you approach people um, makes all the difference in how they take it. And you could just as easily make somebody feel good as you could make them feel small and tiny and force them, you know, to go into their mind and reflect on who they are, and are they that person that they think they are. So I don't have all the answers, but um, I hope sharing this story helps somebody. Um, and I know there's others out there that experience far more blatant bias than I do, but I feel like we got to start somewhere and, and sharing is a great place to start. I want everyone to be thoughtful and intentional uh, when we interact, you know, both at work and outside. Start with you because we've got to start somewhere. So start with yourself. So take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and talk to you soon. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed my journey through that airport. I remember that day as clear as though it was yesterday, even though it was about a year ago. It's really stuck with me. Remember that each of the interactions actually began with great intentions and that this is simply tied to me being in a wheelchair. I'm a white man. I can't imagine the experiences that others have had, but consider if those interactions started with less than good intent or downright animosity. People around you are experiencing that right now. I also hope that you're reflecting and considering your own bias. Yes, you have them, and that's okay. As we all grow and learn about how to be better, we can start with ourselves. 
Don't go off thinking you'll eliminate that bias. You can't change the inputs you had over the course of your life. What you can do is become more self-aware and use that awareness to be intentional, changing the subtleties of how you interact with people. The more self-aware that we become, the better equipped we'll be to generate the change necessary to achieve true equality. Since we started with the thoughts from Dr. Kendi, I want to close with a quote from him and let this sink in. The only thing wrong with black people is that we think there is something wrong with black people. 